This is Learn From Others, where we interview a cross-section of successful individuals so you can learn from their experiences, achievements, and even their mistakes. We ask four questions that will educate and inspire. Greg Stanley will be your guide as we join our guests on a journey from adolescent daydreaming to success in today's world. Join us on this adventure as we learn from others together. Welcome to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. I'm very excited to introduce our special guest today, Brian Gill. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Greg. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Well, I appreciate you taking us on your career journey, but before we find out what you're actually doing today, if you would, could you please tell me, what did you want to be when you grew up? Uh, well, I was really into computers at a very, very young age, uh, and I always knew I'd be doing something with computers. Um, so I, I never really thought I'd be an astronaut or a football player or anything. I was definitely on the very nerdiest end of the spectrum, and, and I thought I would be doing something like Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Aspirational goals at a young age. Yeah, or just, you know, I, I definitely wanted, even at a young age, you know, I, I wanted to to run a company someday. And, you know, I, it's hard to, my parents have asked me like, Hey, you know, why did you want to do all that? Or where did that come from? Cause you know, my parents, you know, uh, they worked really, really hard for more traditional companies, their whole careers. And, and I, and I just, I have no idea, but I, ever since I was like eight, nine years old, like I wanted to, to build a business and I was interested in, in money and capitalism and computers. And, you know, I, I knew pretty early that I wanted to do this stuff. Okay, we kind of alluded to it. So tell us, are you today another version of Bill Gates? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think I have approximately a ten thousandth or a hundred thousandth of his of his success. But you know, I, I'm definitely uh, a successful person, and I've had a great career, and um, probably been luckier or fortunate than 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 most. And I've had a ton of great experiences. So I, I'm, I'm my version of Bill Gates, I guess. Yeah. So tell us, what do you do today? Well, today, today, uh, in, you know, late or early 2020, I'm CEO of a company called Gilware Incorporated. And Gilware uh, does a lot of stuff, but the, the stuff that we do here at Gilware Inc. is we do what's called data recovery. So anytime a person or a business uh, loses data, they're in some sort of data-related disaster, and the backups are not there, they basically reach out to us to to try to get them that data back. Wow. Okay. Now, if you would, tell us, how did you go from wanting to be Bill Gates when you were young to today? Like, what was your career path, educational path? Kind of walk us through that. Yeah. So I, I um, graduated high school and applied to one college because I always knew I wanted to be a Badger, and I uh, got accepted to the University of Wisconsin Madison here, and uh, thought, you know, I, I I was kind of an idiot, and I basically just went to the engineering school and looked at what the graduates were making because again, I just wanted to make money. I wanted to make as much money as I could, and electrical engineers, you know, coming out of school at the time back, you know, twenty some years ago, were making like sixty grand a year out of school. I was like, oh my gosh, that's like. That's an enormous amount of money back then. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I decided to be an electrical engineer and uh, absolutely hated the curriculum, hated the circuitry. I had a, luckily for me, my my sophomore year, 
I had an internship where I went to a big telecommunications company and basically was working on a, a large telecom project and laying out chips and writing code to diagnose what's going on and hated everything about it. And and it was the best thing that ever happened. I mean, I was good at it, but I, you know, I did not, every day I'd roll out of, out of bed and have to drive to that place and have to, it was just not for me. And then my classes, I was getting like C's, which for me, you know, my whole life, I just kind of accidentally got A's for pretty, you know, I was one, I never really had to learn how to study. I pretty much just skated through high school and skated through the first couple of years of college. And, you know, I bumped into these electrical engineering courses and not only did I not quite know how to study, but I also had never really had to be motivated to study. And, right, and it right. led to me getting like like C's and like being in like the bottom half of the class. And I was surrounded by all these young people that wanted to be electrical engineers that were just as smart as me, who were motivated and probably knew how to study. And I was just getting my teeth kicked in and eventually that that internship let me come back to school and I sat down and I had a similar conversation about my background and he's like why aren't you in the computer science program and I'm like oh yeah that probably makes a lot more <laughs> sense so my junior year I switched to computer science and you know back on track got a bunch of A's and graduated and at the time that was like the first it was coming up on Y2K for personal reasons I decided to stick around Wisconsin for a year and took a job at a there's not a lot of big tech software places in, in Wisconsin at the time. And, uh, you know, now there's Facebook and Google and there's all kinds of cool companies here where you could be a programmer right here in Madison. But at the time, almost everybody was going out to California and all the people that were recruiting us or all the companies that were recruiting us were like Microsoft, Oracle and places like that. And you basically had to buy a plane ticket and go out there. So I didn't want to do that because of again, some personal stuff, and decided to stick around and took a job at the next best thing for me, which was a mutual fund company. Okay. Because, you know, I've always been interested in in the stock market and capitalism and companies and, you know, IPOs and all that stuff. And I I basically, uh, unfortunately, it was doing, in the early days, a bunch of like Y2K programming, but it was really cool. And the company I worked for is, is gone now, but it was called Strong Mutual Funds. And they were one of the first companies, if not the first company, to allow like mutual fund trading on their website. Yeah, I mean, this is, go- I'm pretty old. So it, it was, <laughs> it was like, but it was a big deal back then. Like before that, if you wanted to trade a mutual fund, you had to like call a broker, you know, so I, I got some exposure to the early web stuff and some of those early programming languages and some of the early web servers. And, uh, and then basically was freed up from some of my personal obligations, quit that job after about a year, bought a one-way plane ticket out to Silicon Valley, and literally also was an idiot. You know, so I'm one of the common themes to my story is I'm kind of an idiot, or I don't. <laughs> I'm pretty impulsive, and I, I basically bought a one-way ticket, packed like a duffel bag, and got on a plane and landed in SFO, and thought I was in San Francisco. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, I see just, where this is going. <laughs> I drove about two miles and I saw, hey, this place had a, I rented a car at the airport. So I was driving a Ford Focus and I was, I made about two miles from the airport 
and saw that this place had an apartment for rent and it was a Friday about four o'clock and I walked in and and I'm like hey let me see the place I saw it and boy it was expensive it was like eighteen hundred dollars a month wow like, okay well I, I heard I heard heard it was expensive to live out there and I'm like all right whatever so and then they're like I'm like, when can I move in? And they're like, what? I'm like, because they weren't expecting. They're not used to people just like showing up with a duffel bag saying like, let me sign a right, one right. lease. <laughs> so again, I figured why be in a hotel or whatever. So I, I signed the lease and I got the keys and moved right in. And then realized I was actually, you know, maybe 25 miles south of the city. And, you know, maybe 45 miles north of like San Jose. So I was kind of, it was a really dumb decision. Um, and didn't have a job, you know, went and basically, you know, one would think if you had thought this through, you would have done a little bit more planning, but you know, it was a hot market and I knew it wouldn't take me long to find a job and ended up bouncing around at a couple different startups and, uh, most of them exploded spectacularly. Um, in a, in a bad way or a good way? Ah, uh, oh, bad way. Well, yeah, okay. I mean, a couple of, one of them, the, one of the first places I worked at is called Next Tag and they're still around. Um, but the, the longest tenure I had out there was at a company called iSharp. And, uh, I actually got to experience like the classic, you know, Silicon Valley startup experience kind of, I guess, you know, I, I was maybe the third programmer that they had there. And, uh, I was probably employee 15, give, give or take. And, uh, we, got like a big round of funding and then got like another big round of funding and had customers and that that company was doing we simulated user traffic for other companies for the web okay. this, is, this is before aws and you could push a couple buttons and have a fast website that could service a million people right this was in the era where people were making websites and then they were spending a quarter million dollars on a Super Bowl ad, and then those websites would crash because nobody had figured out all this scalable stuff, and there's none of this out-of-the-box product stuff to make a website scalable. So when companies were getting ready for a big push, we wrote a bunch of code that let us legitimately simulate those users. So click that link there, wait five or six seconds, maybe add some stuff to a shopping cart, maybe add a credit card number, you know, all the stuff that users would do at the same like ratios that normal people would do it. So, you know, if they would tell us like 7% of the people that come to this page convert into customers, you know, that's what our users would do. Right. And, okay. and we would simulate them from all over the world and show them like, yep, yeah, you know, you're really slow here, really fast here, big challenge. It, right. You know, right. so it was a cool company. Uh, we had customers, had revenue, got a bunch of uh, funds raised fast forward about 20 months and we had about 170 employees wow okay yeah so we went through some dramatic growth and then the nasdaq crashed about two or three thousand points and turns out venture capitalists they can kind of take these backsies on you right right so they funded and then they withdrew some funding well at that they, time? they basically agreed to give us and i don't remember the number but it was like $30 million or something. and But it was in tranches, right? It was $30 million, but we'll give you like a million and a half every month or something like that for 18 months. And uh, about three or four months into that deal, the NASDAQ did what it did, and they basically had the right to say, oh, just kidding, and turn off the spigot. And they obviously wouldn't invest in all the stock that they would have invested in. Right. But it didn't really matter because once they pulled their funding, it was worth, you know, 
zero. So right, um, right. So yeah, we basically it was it was all guns blazing, and then the stock market had a little hiccup, and then our CEO got everyone together and said we're done, and I was like, what? <laughs> what do you mean we're right. done? There was right. no scaling back. There was no, hey, we're going to cut half the staff. There was, it, it was like, hey, you know, we lost our funding and we're done. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah, if I could, let me just kind of recap a little bit because it's quite an interesting career path so far. So you wanted to be, you know, big in the computer world at some point, like a Bill Gates when you were young. You went to college, took your first little detour to uh, become an electrical engineer, quickly realized you did not care for that, correct? Correct. And then it sounded like an internship was really valuable for you. So I always tell folks an internship is great because they can either tell you you're going down the wrong path or you're going down the right it, path. It's a win-win, you know? Right. Um, I, I had another internship after that that was in the computer science world and computer programming. I yep. absolutely loved it. And when I went back to school for the last couple semesters after that one, that's when I was like, this is it. ultra motivation, 4.0s across the board. I was like peak academia at that, after that. And it was that real world experience that, that gave me that drive. Now, at what point were you like off on your own as a computer scientist or starting your own business? Yeah, so I when the whole thing exploded, I hung around for about a year. And it turned out that most of the people that I, that I respected who had played this game before told me, hey, it's going to be like six or seven years before it gets back to what it was, and there's going to be startups and funding, and it's going to be a mess. And I didn't move out to California to work at a bank, which is, I was, I was working at like a big uh, investment bank as a programmer or software architect type guy. And I'm like, I was making a good living, and I was employed, but it wasn't why I moved out there. Right. I basically decided to move back to Wisconsin and was screwing around doing some consulting work at some companies. And it was, again, I was making good money, but like next to zero personal satisfaction or fulfillment. And uh, that's when my, myself and my brother, Tyler, who was actually going to school at the time at UW for computer science, decided to be, we got to do something. And we kicked around a whole bunch of ideas and we started talking about how he had lost about a year before that he had had a hard drive in his computer crash and it had had all his photos from his high school years, including some of his friends that were no longer with us. And, and he was really, you know, kicking himself for not, you know, making a backup of all that data, of course. Right. But he wanted a solution and, you know, he's like, well, there's gotta be somebody that fixes these things and gets me my stuff. And it, it took him, a couple of weeks to find like two companies that did it. And both of them quoted him like $5,000, which at the time was like a full year of tuition at UW. Oh, wow. So okay. this was not in the cards for him, you know? So, but we started talking about that and it's like, well, how hard could that be? And well, it turns out it's pretty hard, but again, I'm impulsive. So we decided to start screwing around and we started basically acquiring large amounts of dead storage, which dead storage isn't worth very much. So you can buy it for pennies on the dollar, mostly for like aluminum scrap, right? Right. And, uh, but we figured we'll just buy a bunch of this defunct equipment and see how hard it is to fix it. And it turned out it was pretty hard, but we could do it a little bit. You know, we could get maybe half, maybe 40% of them. And, and that was just between all my buddies from school. <laughs> so one of the best things that happened to me at University of Wisconsin is all the people I met 
in those labs and in those extracurricular activities. I was in the marching band, and one of my buddies from the marching band is a genius, bona fide genius. He was a good friend of mine, and he was finishing up his Ph.D. in nuclear engineering. And he ha- I was, you know, hey, how could you help us figure out how to fix these broken hard drives? He's like, well, that'll be easy because, again, he's a genius. And uh, he had a big electrical engineering background himself before he went nuclear. And uh, I had the computer science background. Uh, my brother, Wesley, was a mechanical engineer by trade at the time. And I also went to UW. So just in my circle of friends, we had all of the educational backgrounds that went into building this equipment. So we kind of naturally had all the skills to troubleshoot it. And we did. So we started the company. So once we figured out we could do it, I made our first website because I had that background in e-commerce so I could make a website with a shopping cart for the service and explain it. And I had had enough background in marketing because one of the companies I worked for was a big e-commerce marketing platform. So I knew how to get web pages kind of ranking on stuff before that was like a field you could go into. And people started shipping it to us. And we were working out of my basement, uh, just like the three of us at the time. After about four months, we, we were getting like... 20 things, 20 hard drives were getting shipped to us every day. Wow. Okay. And it was like, all of a sudden it's like, Hey, this is, I could make a living doing this. And pretty shortly thereafter, we went out and like rented an office and hired to like people to answer phones. And, um, you know, uh, my brother Tyler ended up dropping out of college, which I don't recommend, especially to your audience, but he did the math and, and to him at the time, he's like, hey, I can always go back to school. He knew that there was a chance that this thing deserved his, his focus. And, and he, w- he was right. So, you know, after another couple of years, we had like 35 employees and it was like a real company and everything. So now what is your, how big are you now? And what is your typical work week like? Well, it's changed throughout the years. So, um, so maybe four years ago, back in like 2016, we sold our first Gilware company. So we had started a cloud services company, uh, that to do primarily, we wrote a bunch of code to do data backup and all the servers and all the cloud infrastructure. And we ended up selling that to a company called StorageCraft out in Draper, Utah. Um, and then at the same time, we started a digital forensics and incident response company to help people respond to ransomware events. And uh, that company, between the two companies that were active, we had about uh, 55 employees, 60 employees. But that digital forensics company just rebranded to a company called Tetra Defense. We took a Series A uh, venture capital round and basically about 30 of my best friends just all got a new office and moved out. And I'm really, you know, it's, it's like the, the, the little baby left the nest and that is always really, really hard. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's super exciting and you should be pumped up about it. And, and I am, but there's the reality of going to work and not seeing the shining faces of the people that we built this thing with the last four years. And, you know, sometimes when you have these moments of success, they're, they're pretty bittersweet, at least for me. Right. Right, right. Okay. Well, how do you spend your days? Uh, so I probably spend about a third of my days working with clients, writing statements of work for complicated data-related disasters to clearly articulate to these large companies uh, what it is we'll do for them and what we won't be doing and what it's going to cost. So I spend about a third of my day on conference calls and doing paperwork. I spend about a quarter of my day working with our, doing stand-ups with our digital marketing group and talking with our website people and talking with our 
Facebook ads group and and still because I I really enjoy the e-commerce stuff myself. Uh, maybe ten or fifteen percent of my time with a little bit of oversight on our engineering group, making sure they didn't forget how to fix storage equipment and all those types of things. Right. Um, right. And then twenty-five ish percent of my time just doing kind of the boring businessy stuff with payrolls and accountants and all the you know taxes and you know just all the financial planning that you need to do if or you're going to hit a iceberg at some point all the really again it's not it's not the fun part of business for me but you have to pay attention to all that you can't overextend the business or make big mistakes turns out if you miss a payroll people get real mad at you so <laughs> i definitely never want to do that to anybody and uh it just you know a good walking around i i probably spend about a couple hours every day just on one-on-one meetings with various staff members about whatever they're going through, trying to mentor, trying to lead a little bit, trying to add a little bit of, of value to their careers. Okay, that sounds good. As a reminder, you can check out all previous episodes at learnfromothers.org. And if you're an educator or student, you can search for podcast by Career Cluster. So, Brian, we learned what you wanted to be when you grew up, which was Bill Gates, and what you're doing today, which is a version of Bill Gates. So looking back on your career, what would you do differently? Um, I mean, that's a really hard question. I mean, I've had a ton of success, you know, the financial success and the leadership that I didn't think I would be any good at. I, I It turns out I really, really enjoy it. And every decision we made, they weren't all perfect, but, but I learned from all those mistakes and, and all the people, all my peers and all my friends, we all learned together from all those mistakes. So... It's a little cliche, but I, I wouldn't change really anything. The only thing that, you know, from the educational perspective, I definitely, like my freshman year of college, you know, like I was working is like a, I would work nights at like a candy factory doing like janitorial work. I would have probably encouraged myself to, to get into some internships and co-ops earlier. And I, I would also have encouraged my younger self to, not rely so much on the curriculum of, of the school. It, for computer scientists out there, you shouldn't need a professor to learn a programming language. And frankly, you know, some of the best programmers I've ever met, some of the best software architects I ever met, came out of school with like geology degrees. But you can, right now, you can go to like Stanford's computer science program and all their lessons, all their plans, all their programming projects, they're just up there. You don't, you don't, and there, and by the way, most of their lectures are on YouTube and stuff like that. Like, you don't even need, if you were to, and some of the best programmers I've ever met, this is what they did. Like, before they even got into that freshman year at school, they were taking a lot of that Stanford curriculum. I mean, college is awesome, and for me, the most critical thing that happened in college was the people I met on all those projects and all those extracurriculars. So. I wish I would have done, a, I did a lot of extracurriculars, but I wish I would have done even more. I did a couple internships. I wish I would have done four or five of them. And uh, I guess I was in a big rush to get out of college too. Right. And right. I felt a lot of pressure to graduate and make money. And, you know, I wish I would have taken 12 or 13 credits and just had a little bit more well-rounded life and really had enjoyed it a little more, you know, and didn't feel all that anxiety of taking 18 credits some semesters. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but as far as in general, try a bunch of stuff and find something that gives you energy, that 
that I enjoy going to this class. I can't wait to get to this class. I can't wait to work on this project. I can't wait to write this paper, you know, because if you find yourself like I was where you were dreading getting to that class and you were even skipping it occasionally, you know, you're probably in the wrong niche. (laughs) Right, right, exactly, yeah. Well, now you kind of spoke to it already. Maybe it's just a matter of saying it a little bit differently, but... You know, let's talk to the student who wants to do what you do to be a computer scientist or an entrepreneur. What advice would you give them? Concentrate more on the some of the best entrepreneurs. You know, they came out of those scientific backgrounds. I learned the business stuff and I learned the leadership stuff. I think that is stuff that you can learn on your own. And they don't teach a lot of leadership stuff at school anyway. So having that strong background in some field is going to really give you a leg up when you go out to take your own entrepreneurial journey versus somebody that just went to the you know business school and just understands the finances side of things find when you're in school again like greg pfeiffer the guy that i started a bunch of businesses with one of those businesses has raised over 350 million dollars of venture capital and greg pfeiffer is a name that if anybody listens to this like five years from now, he's going to be well known in the world as like a as like a legitimate billionaire. And I met him in marching band at at UW. We were in the marching oh, wow. band together. It's you're not just going to school for your curriculum, right? You're, you're going to hopefully meet your own five or ten best friends that are going to be with you, not just in school. But maybe they're in that same entrepreneurial journey with you someday. And don't lose sight of that. You know, those group projects, lead them, you know. Right. Lead those group projects and have fun. You got to have fun with everything that you do, you know. Yeah, no, that's great advice. Now, are there any projects you're working on that you would like to share? Uh, you know, I, I just really wanted to come on today, Greg, to to try to, to add some value to your audience and, and talk a little bit about my journey. I'm not really here to push any particular products, but if I had to, if any message to the students out there, back your data up, you know, find that 50 bucks a year to buy that automated cloud backup that's going to put all your stuff, implement two-factor authentication on that backup. So if you ever get assaulted in or on the internet from a bad guy that they can't get into your cloud backup and delete everything, um, you know, because again, uh, we live in a very uh, dangerous world right now on the cyber side of things. It's as bad as ever, and it's not just big businesses and cities that are getting targeted by these these cyber criminals. But they, you might get click the wrong link or download the wrong piece of software, or try to pirate a piece of software, and it turns out, yeah, they that piece of software you downloaded is pirated, but they also installed a bunch of backdoors to completely screw up your computer and encrypt all your data so be very very careful with your kind of internet hygiene back all your data up get a vpn service for your cell phone and and lock down your credit scores (laughs) yes i did that (laughs) every human like what and again students probably don't even know what the credit bureaus are but it's free everybody should do it especially students, you might as well do it now. Right. No, that's really, really great advice. Well, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your company? Yeah, I mean, if anybody wanted to uh, reach out, connect with me, uh, probably LinkedIn is probably my social media choice. So just look for Brian Gill Gilware for LinkedIn. Just go ahead to connect with me. I-, I connect with just about everybody. Not 
not everybody, but certainly, you know, computer scientists out there that wanted to bend my ear about something, had a question for me, go ahead, connect. Uh, be a pleasure of mine to, to connect with you as well. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking us on your career journey today. No problem, Greg. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Learn From Others, where we help others succeed by sharing success. Where will our next adventure take us? Subscribe to find out. If you know of someone who has a cool career story or occupation, contact Greg through Instagram at Greg Stanley LFO. That's G-R-E-G-S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-L-F-O. And we will see you soon as we learn from others together.